0: Happy New Year and welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Day, and we're kicking off 2021 a bit differently by revisiting some of our most downloaded, most streamed, most listened to episodes over the five plus years we've been recording the Church Leaders Podcast. Join me for the month of January as we listen to four interviews that have been published in years past, but which continue to encourage and inspire ministry leaders today. I also have a very special announcement, one I've been waiting to share with you for many weeks now. Starting in February, the Church Leaders Podcast is going to shift gears. In years past, we've brought you incredible interviews once a week with today's top leaders in the church. In 2021, we're shifting to a seasonal podcast, with each season exploring a particular theme the Big C Church is currently grappling with. Our first season, which will start February 3rd, 2021, It's going to discuss all the nuances associated with the pro-life movement. As you have doubtless picked up on, the church can be divided on this topic. Of course, we can all agree that abortion is an unholy act that we should work to eliminate. But what is the best way to go about eliminating it? Should we start from the top down with legislation? Is outlawing it the best practice? Or is addressing social issues like access to education and economic stability a better approach? How does the local crisis pregnancy center fit into all of this, and how can ministers like you help there? We'll talk to thought leaders in the evangelical church who grapple with the moral side of abortion as well as the political side, and we'll speak with ministers leading the way on the more practical front in crisis pregnancy centers and the like. You'll likely hear perspectives and information you haven't heard before. You might not agree with all of it, but at the end of the season, you'll definitely be more informed and perhaps even come away with some action steps you and your church can use to help solve the problem of abortion. I certainly hope you'll join me in February for this exciting new season. And now, on to this week's episode. Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. This week we're revisiting an interview that was released July tenth, 2018 with Francis Chan. Such an intriguing conversation that we had that day. Francis is widely known as the founding pastor of Cornerstone Community Church in Simi Valley, California, where he pastored for 16 years before stepping down. He's written several best-selling books, including Crazy Love and Forgotten God. He's spoken at numerous conferences around the world. Francis and his family also started a house church movement called We Are Church in the San Francisco Bay Area. We Are Church is challenging what we typically think of when we think of the church. In the early part of 2020, Francis and his family moved to Hong Kong after they felt God's calling to pursue ministry opportunities there. In this 2018 interview, Francis and I discuss his book, Letters for the Church, which further challenged our understanding of church. During our time together, Francis discussed why he believes God is displeased with much of what we call church here in America. Francis dug into some very valuable topics when it comes to church leadership and ultimately shared some very challenging yet encouraging wisdom. This is one of those interviews that you do not want to miss and that you'll want to share with your staff or your ministry friends and then get together and discuss. So get ready and join me in my conversation with Francis Chan. Francis, welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. We're excited to have you.
1: Thank you. Good to be with you.
0: Awesome, brother. Now, you and your family, you've had quite the journey in ministry over the years. You planted Cornerstone Community Church. In Simi Valley, you preached preached up a storm there. Um, God blessed it; the church church grew. Uh, You had a huge podcast. You wrote a bunch of books. You had the opportunity to speak at conferences uh, as you continued to lead Cornerstone. And then suddenly, at least to those on the outside looking in, suddenly (laughs) poof, um, you're 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 kind of gone, and um, and and God kind of took you to another place. You you and your family you move off to Asia. Um, You're engaged in an entirely new season of ministry there, much different um, than what you were a part of in Simi Valley. And then you move back to the U.S., and you've been engaged in another fresh season of ministry um, with with house churches and and planting house churches. So obviously, brother, there's a lot of growth. Um, There's a lot of obedience involved in that journey, Um, a lot of learning going on throughout And I know that we could talk for hours um, just on your experiences. But really, the one question I would love to begin with is this. What did you see and experience during your time in Asia that had the biggest impact on who you are today, both as a child of God and as a servant of the kingdom? Hmm. Wow. You, You know... What
1: changes us is the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, like, like you said, it it felt sudden to everyone else. that Wow, he just left. He just picked up and left. What happened? And honestly, there was nothing sudden about it. Uh, in fact, most of the people in the church were saying, yeah, we expected this. We thought it was going to be a long time ago. So to a lot of people in the church, the people that knew me, it was something that had been growing and, and that I'd wrestled with for a long time because of the Word of God. And again, it was the Word of God and the convictions there. But secondly, like I said, the Holy Spirit himself impacts us. And, and when we were overseas, there were men and women of God who were filled with the Holy Spirit that had a huge impact on my life. When I saw their commitment level, when I saw what they had suffered and sacrificed for the kingdom. And when I saw a humility that I didn't see a lot of in my own life and those around me um, in America, I think that it's, it's just convicting. You know, how when you're around someone that you can just tell by their actions, by their words, they really know Jesus and they don't want this about them and and there's a power about them, it convicts us. And they're not even trying to convict us. It just does. Because you go, gosh, I want to be like her. I want to be like him. And I guess I saw so much of that over there that it made me just want to change my life.
0: That's awesome, brother. Now, now I've got to tell you that um, I'm... A big fan of your writing. It's, it's been instrumental in my life as a Christ follower, as a pastor myself, and, and really appreciate what you've put on paper. And uh, so I re- uh, received an advanced copy of uh, your newest book, the book that you've been working on most recently. And I, I got to say, brother, whoa, that was you know, eye-opening stuff, right? It was, yeah. it was uh, very, very challenging. And, and kind of as I was reading through it, it seems that the posture that that you have taken, whether intentionally or not, obviously this uh-huh. is an obedience thing for you i I know that, but in this work, it seems like the posture is that of of really a prophet
1: hm what,
0: what What are your thoughts on on kind of that uh, <laughs> you know, being a prophetic yeah. voice for us today right
1: Yeah, I, I, you know I hear that word used, you know uh, which is um I don't know what to think of it. Uh, I I don't sit at home and think, I'm a prophet, I'm a prophet, so what should I say? I just... What I tried to do in the book was not write anything that wasn't biblically obvious. In other words, I didn't try to find anything obscure. I'm just looking like, gosh, this sure seems like it's almost every page of the New Testament. You know, am I missing it? You know, and just... Declaring that, but also what I try to do is, like I said in the book, and like when I teach, I try to think if I die at the end of this message, will I have said everything God wants me to say? So this gets my mind off of how are people going to respond? Are they going to like me? What kind of criticism am I going to get? Because it's easy to get caught up in those circles unless you seriously focus and get your mind thinking. Okay, this is it. If I die, when I type this last word and I stand before God, am I going to be okay? And I think by speaking that way and writing that way, it may tend to have more of a prophetic feel because a prophet didn't say what uh, people wanted him to say. Usually it was just, gosh, best I can tell, this is the message that God wants me to speak to the world. Um, in the world in which we live, a lot
0: of pastors, you know, wrestle with, you know, that, that idea of uh, th- they want to be faithful, they want to be obedient, uh, but they're trying to gauge the audience. You know, we've learned a lot of stuff about trying to gauge our audience and, and trying to be sensitive to, you know, certain aspects of, of whatever it might be in our culture at the time, you know, whether it's political or, or whatever. Uh, wh- mm-hmm. What would you say to, to a young pastor who's, you know, trying to, trying to be faithful, preaching the word of God, um, but feels that tension um, between, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, it's not an easy thing, you know, as we stand before <laughs> our people and we preach, you know, there, what
1: encouragement do you have? Uh, you know, it's, it's not just when we preach, like, like it's right now. Here we are you know recording this and and I'm talking to these people and I'm I'm trying to be mindful of where they are at the same time as I'm speaking to you. I'm thinking about God in heaven looking at me and, and saying are you bringing me glory? is this is this about me and what I want and how do I draw attention to him and get everyone who's listening to to just think again about the fact that, your ears are working right now because there is someone in heaven who is allowing you to hear this, and your mind is functioning all because of him, and it can end in a second. How can you not think about what he wants and to think about everything that he has done for us? like right now this second to think about you the grace that's been on your life the forgiveness the the security that you have in him the power that you have in him in the holy spirit so i'm picturing him in heaven at the same time as i'm picturing you know you guys in your car at your house or Jogging whatever you're doing right now, and how can I get your eyes onto him because it's best for you and it's what he wants. And so somehow to keep both in mind is uh the two two of the first questions I ask myself before I speak are one: Am I most concerned about pleasing God or the people? Mm. Um, and then second thing I ask is. Do I genuinely love these people that I'm speaking to? Because we can lose sight of both of those things. Uh, we become people pleasers, and we don't even think about what God wants us to say. Or we say these things without a love in our hearts for the people who are mm-hmm. listening. And I know that every pastor wrestles with both of those things. I, I shouldn't say I know that. I'm assuming Right. Because it's such a wrestle, and we get so distracted um, that, that we, we wrestle with those things. So I have to remind myself, even right now, okay, do I love everyone that's listening? Is that why I'm speaking right now? And am I aware of pleasing God right now with the words that come out of my mouth?
0: Amen. That's good. I, I love both those questions. Those are, those are good things for us to think through, you know what I mean, and, and to process through. Thank you for that. Let's talk a little bit about intimacy with God. It almost seems that we've been um, somewhat conditioned to believe that our our deepest, most intimate times with God occur when we are alone in prayer or when we're removed from the distractions of of regular life. But you've been discovering a deeper intimacy with God Mm -hmm. in community within the church. Can you talk us through that a little bit, your experience? Yeah, Yeah. totally.
1: And this is completely new for me because it is true, and it is still true that I love my time alone with him when no one else is around. But the latest is that there are just men and women um, in the church that, love Jesus deeply, and they spend a lot of time alone with him, and they just love being alone with him. And so when we gather together, having all had these great experiences individually with God, and, and now we seek him collectively, I don't know how to describe it, but it's just, it's very deep. There are times where I, and I don't want to get too mystical, but it, it really, I, I, it's, I just sense the presence of God with us in a deeper way, and some of that is just being with people that, like, I'm not the godliest person in our church. Um, I I don't I doubt that I'm the one that's closest to Him. While I feel like I'm close to Him, uh, some of my uh, my close friends, I just go, gosh, they really really love Him, and they they stretch me in my knowledge of Him, and they pursue Him, and they. They seek him so often and and so deeply, and so I'm encouraged by that. So when we get together, it's like we fire each other up, and I just hear their passion and their intimacy with Christ, and it it spurs me on and it stirs me up. So if I am distracted or if I am having a bad day or if I've you know maybe got distracted that day, got too busy. Um, I get together with these people and they bring me back and I can hear and sense their love for the Lord. And so when we're together, I just sense his presence in a very real way, which 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 biblically makes total sense to me, because in Scripture, it talks about how we together form a singular temple of God and we together create this dwelling place for God and so when I understand the church biblically, it, it sure seems like it would make sense that the more of us that gather just to pursue him, the more of him we're going to experience, um, Right. The, the richer that experience is going to be.
0: Right. And I love that because that's kind of the beauty of biblical community, you know, authentic biblical community is that um, we—, we uh, as the local church has a local expression of the body of Christ. And so as we come together, you know, that, that intimacy, that, that truth of who we are in Christ together is just magnified, you know, as, as we live in that sense of community, as we pray together, as we sing together, as we share together, as we, you know, are just true, um, to God and true to one another in the midst of that community, it's just magnified. And, yeah. um, I was curious as we're looking at the church and specifically the church in America. I mean, that's our, our primary mm-hmm. context. I and mean, we know we have listeners all over the world, but talk about the church in America. That sense of intimacy with God being magnified in the midst of community isn't always a present. Yeah. Yeah. Wh- yeah. Why, why are we, or how maybe, are we missing that? You know, what's yeah. contributing to, to that?
1: Yeah. You know, I have, um, lately I've I've started uh, trying to get back in shape physically, you know, and I have uh, some friends that do CrossFit, and, you know, so I've been going with them, and, oh my gosh, I am doing things that I just would never have pulled <laughs> off on my own, right? right? Like, they're pushing me, and I'm going, gosh, you know, look at what they're able to do, and and so when I'm with them, I do way more, like I exercise way more, push my body to these limits that I, I didn't know I could pull off. Now I have other friends that when I go to the gym with them, I end up doing a lot less than I would do by myself. You know what I mean? Right, right. It's like, ah, oh, they just want to talk and it's like, ah, oh, let's get a donut. All right, <laughs> and so I think a lot of it depends on your circle spiritually is what I'm saying. There are those that are seeking after him so much and uh, and they really love him. You know, it's not like they just love this preacher or this book or this, this band or, you know, they just love the presence of God. And so we kind of feed off of each other. And I think sometimes people are in circles where there isn't a real pursuit of him mm. and they're, You know, to be honest, they're just individuals that aren't really that serious about seeking after God, and so we surround ourselves with those people, and we pray it may not push us in the same way. It's just like those who aren't serious about fitness, to go work out with them is actually going to drag you down um, more than it's going to build you up and stir each other up.
0: Right. That's good. Now, now we have lots of pastors and uh, ministry leaders, obviously, listening to our podcast, and... What would you say to the, the the pastor, who finds himself, you know, he's faithfully serving God in in a church, and that church um, is made up of people who have been, you know, stagnant perhaps for a long time, mm-hmm. or so he so he's not in that environment. He or mm-hmm. she is they're pastoring the church. They're not in this environment where they have, like you said, your CrossFit buddies that are, you know, kind of yeah. pushing them. How does that pastor kind of approach that?
1: Um, situation yeah it's you know understand that it's not like i just magically found these people Mm -hmm. that had this deep love for jesus um but we uh we discipleship is a big deal in my life now and so these are people especially the men that i've spent a lot of time with and you know, just like a CrossFit trainer could train me and then I could surpass him and start pushing him, I feel like there's been a lot of that going on, that when people have the Spirit of God and you give them a gentle reminder of the Scriptures, they run with it. And But it is a life of discipleship. And it's just like my children, um, this book that we're talking about, like I started to write, you know, at the end of my writing... I was just stuck, like there was just so many blocks, and I actually asked my eighteen-year-old daughter to look at some of the things I had written, and she had these responses like, "Well, you did this, you did this, you didn't do this." I'm like, "Whoa!" <laughs> like her mind, in some ways, way is seriously, and this isn't being f- a fake humble. She just literally is smarter than me in some areas and it's like wow she's pushing me now and challenging me just in her intellect and the way that she thinks with some of these things and that's a thrill you yeah. know and you know it's a thrill when the other day my my 12 year old son was out running me and it's like yes <laughs> that's what I want and but it's that same thing in the faith when you see you know like your children in a sense in the faith or people that you've discipled and now they have surpassed you in some ways and are challenging you. That's what a lot of us pastors don't get to because we're busy with the masses and we're dealing with these major problems. Um, And some people are coming to us day after day, week after week, and we busy ourselves with some of those things and, and some of the issues that we don't spend our time in discipleship to really reap the fruit of, wow, uh, discipleship went well, and now these guys are really challenging me.
0: That's good, brother. That's that's really good. Now, Francis, in your book, Letters to the Church, you make um, a rather bold statement that as you kind of survey the Christian church today, you feel God is displeased— with many of the churches in America, that there's, you know, this, uh, you know, God's heart's perhaps grieved in some way for for what's going on in some churches. And I think there are a lot of people, uh, both within the church and outside of the church, um, that would agree uh, with your assessment. However, they might have different reasons than you do as to why they think God is displeased, right? So if you were Mm -hmm. to kind of step back Mm. And from from your experiences, from your understanding of Scripture, uh, from your journey with God, if, if you were to say, hey, Jason, here is where I see my understanding of the core of where we are mm. really missing it in the American church, yeah. what is kind of, you know, the, the big picture diagnosis, the yeah. emerging problem? Is there, is there something kind of key <sighs> there?
1: Yeah, I- Two things come to mind. One is, best I can understand scripture, best I can understand God, like he wants believers to cause other believers to love him more. Like I am not hearing a lot of people talk about how much they love jesus and how much they love being with him and and i you know like you read the psalms and how david speaks of god you're not hearing people speak about their relationship with jesus in that same way where he is so central and we've made it about all these different peripheral issues and it's like are we developing people are the people in churches known for like lovers of jesus like you know when a husband is crazy about his wife Okay, you just know it. It's like, wow, you're consumed with her. And you know when a parent is just like overboard about his kid, and are we speaking that way about the person of Jesus? Like, oh I get I'm just blown away by him again. Like I'm not hearing that. And that's a big, big deal. That's right. what all of scripture is about is people knowing god they get to know him and love him and then the second thing that that makes me think that god's you know think about god's displeasure with the church is our lack of love for one another Mm -hmm. when his command was here's this new command i give you i want you to love one another just as i've loved you again it's like, are there churches that are known for, wow, you should go to, you should gather with these people. You should see the way they care about each other. It's fascinating. Like, who talks like that? You know, what church is known for their love for one another? And so to me, this isn't rocket science because. I think these are the two greatest commands. Yeah. These are not obscure things that Francis Chan thinks in his head because he's this weird prophet. It's, gosh, I'm just another idiot reading the scriptures and going, this seems most important to him, and yet these things are missing. So, how could he go, ah, oh, look at how awesome that church is over there? Because um, all these people are showing up. No, it, it, are we producing lovers of Jesus? and people that love each other so much that the world is going, there's something supernatural going on there because I've never seen a love like that before.
0: That's good. That's so solid. And, you know, as you said, that's, you know, the the greatest commandment. I mean, Jesus made it very, very clear. Um, When we go to the book of Revelation, you know, we we Mm -hmm. see the letters to the church. And Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a key talking point in those letters, this idea of love, right? Yeah. Um, how, How do you think we've gotten... Kind of off track if it if it's so core, you know what I mean <laughs> I mean Jesus yeah, made yeah. it clear, yeah, how is it that we're that we're kind of getting off track?
1: well, and I wrote about that a little bit, you know right. how there's just traps we fall into that we don't even get it. See that's what was happening in my life for a while where Suddenly I get inundated with criticism and everyone has an opinion of what you should be doing and every millennial is writing a book or starting a podcast or, or has or blogs or tweets cuz they just have so many brilliant thoughts you know that they're just sure everyone needs to hear and you start listening to all of this and and it just gets confusing and you don't realize it but you start speaking to avoid criticism. You start writing to avoid criticism. You start doing all these things to be successful or to draw a larger following. And suddenly pleasing God just goes out the window or you start rationalizing. Well, God would be pleased if I get a bunch of people to follow me. You know, like this is the only way to please him is if I really want to impact, then i got to get the masses to listen to me. And, you know, when you start justifying these different things, thinking, well, I'm just doing this for this purpose, rather than saying, okay, what is clearly biblical, let me go after it, and trust that by doing that, God will produce the results that he wants.
0: Amen. You know, as you were talking there, Francis, I was thinking, there's been kind of a phrase that— um that the Holy Spirit has used in my life for, for many years. And it's, this is courageous obedience. And, Mm -hmm. and as you're talking, I was thinking through, you know, God just brought to mind this idea of courageous obedience and what it means for us as we're seeking to truly honor God and to truly love Christ, that our obedience to how God is directing us, you know, where we're spending our time, where we're investing our time in, in, ministry the time that we're spending with God, this time that we're spending, as you mentioned before, discipling, all of those things, um, that that obedience sometimes, it it takes great courage to truly be obedient to how God is is guiding and directing us. And and in the book, you you kind of touch on on that idea. I mean, you talk about kind of the sacred nature of God in His church. You talk about the the value of order within the church and how God kind of laid out specifics in regard to the order of his church. And you spend time focusing on, you know, the, the sacrifice we make as we're truly following Jesus and uh, the, the suffering, you know, the, the suffering component. We don't like to talk about that, especially in America, the idea of suffering, but the suffering component of our, our walk with Jesus. Does it come down in some ways, in your opinion, Francis, um, that we have made church too ordinary or too tame or too comfortable um, mm. in some ways? Or or is that oversimplifying
1: it? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think um, in short, because I know we have to wrap this up, um, we are not asking the question, what would please God most? based on everything we read in Scripture, what would please him most. We're scared of questions like that, because what would please him most has a huge cost to it. Mm. There are a lot of people that can sit and gripe about the state of the church, but at the end of the day, in order to make change, not just talk about it, not just, you know, write a book about it, but change is difficult because you're talking about relationships you're talking about deep love for people. So I I just think that's what causes us to skirt some of these conversations and some of these actions. There's, we can find millions of people that have criticism for the church, Mm -hmm. but the amount of sacrifice it would take to change it, where are those people who are willing to say, okay, I understand loving this person would be difficult and, uh, Letting them into my house would be difficult. Um, That's the level of love God wants me to have for these people, so I'm going to do it. And, you know, it's a lot easier to sit here like we're doing, just have a discussion about it. It'll be much more difficult uh, when I get off of this and go meet with someone and uh, talk about the sin in their life and love them through it. Mm, So
0: That's good. Brother, if you could, before we uh, take off, what—you've um, got the ear of, of pastors and ministry leaders all over. What encouragement—we know that, that there, there are some challenges within the church, but what encouragement would you like to to leave with, with those who are listening to you? Yeah,
1: I, I just want to remind you that, you know, some of these passages in Scripture, God's Word, okay, get rid of your flesh, your thinking, your insecurities, God says— That there's this, we know that Ephesians 3.20, he's able to do immeasurably more, immeasurably immeasurably more than all that you could ask or imagine right now. And it's according to that power that's at work in you, that's not exaggeration, that's not hyperbole. Okay, and and when Jesus says you could do the things that he does and greater things than these, you've got to stop looking in the mirror and start looking at scripture. This is what he says. And you've got to believe that about yourself again, about his spirit in you, because I think that all the criticism, all the people telling you and now that you can go on the Internet and find all these guys that are far more brilliant than you are. Far more gifted, you just start thinking that you have nothing to offer, and it's just not true biblically. So you have to learn to shut yourself up and your own insecurities and own flesh, and get back to the Word of God.
0: I love that, brother. Thank you so much for that. I want to encourage our listeners um, to check out your newest book, Letters to the Church. Um, as we've shared, we we talked about it. It's a book that's uh, uh, inspiring. It's a book that's challenging. Um, it's a book that I think is really, um, you know, speaking to the deepest part of, of, of who we are as people who are following Jesus, as people who are um, seeking to, to be faithful in, in God's kingdom work. So I thank you for uh, your time with us, brother. God thank bless you. you, my friend. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Church Leaders Podcast. If you are indeed finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast, we'd appreciate you taking just a few moments to leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders find our podcast so they can benefit as well. Also, don't forget to join me starting in February for a new season of the podcast. You don't want to miss it. Until next time, this is Jason Day, encouraging you to love well and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at
1: churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.